Well, come on in and find a spot. A couple of announcements before we get into our sharing time here. I love what I just heard. People popping up and, and speaking what the Spirit's given them. It's music to my ears. We've, we've kind of lost kind of lost that, and uh, uh, Mary, uh, Nancy giving a word in the camp meeting. That was the first one I've heard in a long time like that. You know, in the scripture, it says two things that uh, I think are significant. It says, if you can all prophesy one by one that you may learn and be encouraged. I think, um, I think it's possible that we could just use this as a training, a, a, a teaching time. Paul laid down... Uh, guidelines at Corinth and said just two or three prophecies per meeting. I don't think we need to abide by that. Our, our, our problem is not an abundance of prophecy. It's the lack thereof. And so we'll take, I feel I have authority to take that limitation off of us. JB, I didn't know you're around still. Wow, what a treat. Um, I don't think we need to abide by that. I think, I think what we need to do is more in line with what he was saying. He says, when you come to church, prepare a psalm, prepare a revelation, prepare your heart to bring something to give. I think it's possible that, including myself, I'm going to have to do this as well. Come prepared to prophesy. Come prepared to raise our voice in the midst of the people. We'll have to figure out a way to get the pick, pick it up in the sound and all of that kind of stuff. But I, I think we can actually decide tonight that we're going to prophesy next Sunday night. It doesn't, it doesn't monkey with the Spirit. It doesn't put any pressure on Him. He's wanting to speak. He's wanting to encourage. All we're doing is saying, saying, I make myself available. Okay? All right. There's no nursery tonight, but there is, uh, following this meeting, a, um, a debriefing for those who are working on camp meeting so we can learn from it and find out what worked, what didn't work, what we do differently next time, and there will be a next time. Hallelujah. Yeah. Wonderful to see. Wonderful experience. In your calendar, what I'd like you to put in, if you're in business for yourself, you own a business, I think there's something, especially in these crazy COVID days, that we need to be together. We need to get together. We need to talk share what the Lord's doing, insights he's given us, strategies. Um, so September 12th, from 9 in the morning to 11 in the morning, uh, we're going to have a, a business brunch in the cafe here. Um, and part of it will be in this room because I, I'd like you to bring people. I'd like you to really think it through, who you could bring, who's in business. Um, there's a guy named Jim Baker, and Jim is a pastor in Ohio, and uh, I met him through the well, highly effective communicator, and has written books and, and all kinds of stuff on business, uh, on finances. Uh, it's just that's his, that's his uh, area of expertise. So I called him. Uh, we've, we've become acquainted. And I called him. And I said, would you be willing to come and, and do a Zoom call with us where we can just be together? Um, and he's agreed to do that on that on that meeting of the 12th. So it, this probably be one of the best meetings of our year as far as the businessmen's brunches. So the 12th, starting at 9, 
and we'll, we'll have our brunch. We'll have a little bit of sharing time together, opportunity to, to talk, and then uh, Jim Baker will come, and he'll share for a, about an hour with us, and so we'll see what happens with that. Does that sound good? Um, we baptized five people this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, through the tent meeting, I, I saw things, you know, people breaking out of their cocoons, and, and uh, we saw fruit of that happen. Uh, Nelson, I, I love working with you. you. You are a joy to my heart. He has a passion uh, for baptism. Uh, he, he must have got it on his own, but it reflects the, what's in my heart. I love baptism, but we just, it just kept going. We baptized five people, which I'm, I'm thrilled for. Let's not stop. Amen. Let's keep in that vein. Uh, it pays to ask people when they let them tell a little bit of their story of uh, their baptism and, and then provoke them with the thought of a fresh surrender to the Lord. And you're six, sorry. Wow, wow. Yeah, there's three kinds of people in the world those who can count and those who can't. Six people, wow. Wow. If you got photographs of that today, yeah, we'll need some of those. Just that, that they're good mementos to put on our Facebook page and that kind of thing. So, um, What I'd like to do this fall is I'd like to go to heaven. I'd like us all to go to heaven. And uh, one way that I've had in my heart to do this is I thought, being that the discipleship is down, uh, we're not able to do much with that right now, that we could do some in-house discipleship. And I, I'd like to get a you know, maybe uh, 20 people in the, um, in the mornings have, have children come and do, take from 10 to noon and just do uh, a discipleship just about heaven. Tell them stories about heaven. Read the scriptures about heaven, descriptions, descriptions that are in scripture about heaven. And just from every angle, create within them a vision of heaven. And, uh, and then in the evening, have uh, adults come and just do the same thing. Just go deep in the concept of heaven and, and have a discussion about that. I think that'd be um, very, very edifying. So sometime early this fall, we'll announce a time for that. I know some of your kids will already be in school and all that, but I can't think of a better way to spend some time uh, than taking a couple hours and going to heaven. And so we'll, we'll major on that sometime this fall. So give that some thought. Uh, I think that's about it. Nelson, can you think of anything else? Yeah. All right. Anyone else? Any other announcements I'm missing? Book of Acts. Going back to the Book of Acts. Uh, normally we would start that up. We paused it for camp meeting. And this Thursday night, if you'd like to come back in, are you up for that, Jamie? This Thursday night, 27th. Here in the auditorium, Jared, are you able to do that? O'Reilly, either one of you, are you available to do that? We're filming them and we're posting them on on YouTube. But uh, let's get back. I think we're getting close. We can probably knock it out in the next little bit. We might have to add a little bit more time to these sessions, but I think we're getting close. The last few chapters are big story chapters, and so. Okay. Wow. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14.
I had um, such a such a journey, such a challenging journey to get to a place to speak in tongues. I didn't have anyone to help me. I didn't have anyone to answer my questions. I was seeking the Lord on, on my own, studying the scripture, uh, believing for it. Um, uh, it didn't have to be that difficult. It was just I didn't have anybody. I didn't have a mentor who could really work with me. No one really even understood. I was going to a Pentecostal church at the time. No one really knew what tongues was about. They would have had the experience, but they would not have used it very much. Uh, there was a, like an annual tongues and interpretation message. Uh, one husband would give a tongues and the wife would give the interpretation. That happened about once a year. Um, but they really didn't know very much about tongues. And um, so I, I got it. I broke through and, and got into that whole thing and, and uh, experienced speaking in tongues and then kind of parked it. Uh, I didn't know what it was for. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with it. And um, I came across this verse, 1 Corinthians 14. Look in verse 18. Paul said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. We know one of the issues at Corinth is that they were driving this thing into the ditch. They were taking it too far. Uh, sometimes their whole meeting was in tongues. If you can imagine that, people coming to church, the announcements, <laughs> the, the prayer time, the, the sermon, everything's all in tongues. And, and that's kind of what it would have looked like. And Paul had to uh, get them to say, no, there has to be a revelation. There has to be. You speak in your, in your, with your understanding and with tongues. Um, but so he actually says here, though, that he spoke in tongues more than the Corinthians, which is hard to imagine. And it caused me to think, I, I heard, I could hear this verse. I could hear his heart, and I heard deep gratitude. I thank God. I speak in tongues more than you all. And I thought, not only is he grateful, but he does it often. He does it, there must be some benefit, there must be something to it that, that he would do it all the time, that he'd find this discipline of speaking in tongues. And there are no books about this back then, never heard a sermon. Um, to this day, 40, almost 45 years into it, I'd never heard a whole sermon about speaking in tongues other than what I've given. And so um, it's not common even to this day. But Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. I remember pausing on this verse and saying, Lord, I, I'm not grateful. I, I'm not thankful. Uh, I don't use it all the time. I don't, I don't know what it's for. Whatever you did in Paul that made him so grateful, do in me. And that began the search where I started trying to figure out what's the purpose of speaking in tongues? Why all the trouble? Why all the emphasis in, in Corinth? Why all the, all the hubbub about speaking in tongues? I get it about prophecy, but speaking in tongues. And so I asked the Lord, show me, take me there. Help me to understand uh, what this is all about. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, if you turn back a page or two, he says... Um, uh, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the profit of all. 
And there's a couple times. This is one. There's another one where he uses the word profit. There has to be some kind of gain. There has to be some kind of margin. The word profit it has to benefit. And so I, I made a note to myself, what are the benefits of speaking in tongues? And that became the title of my sermon. And so, Josh, if you're looking for a title to put on this, this is the benefit of speaking in tongues. And so God began to open this up to me. Uh, I think people would speak in tongues today all the time if they could see the benefit of it. Can you imagine if it caused you to lose weight? If it caused your hair to grow back? If it cleared up your complexion? If you got better gas mileage? We'd be speaking in tongues all the time. I mean, we'd, I mean, all you have to do is see the benefit, right? If there's a benefit, we will, we will do it. So let's look in Scripture and see if we can find some wrinkle removers. Let's go to chapter 14. And uh, let's look at verses uh, 1 and 2. Paul says, Pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So you're, you're free to go after that. Verse 2, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, howbeit, or however, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. And talks about prophecy for the edification of the church. This is a powerful, powerful uh, clue that there's benefits in it. There's, uh, on the day of Pentecost, they spoke in tongues and unbelievers had their understanding open. They were speaking actual other languages. That happened once in Scripture. So that's not common. That happened one time. And so we see the direct correlation between speaking in tongues and the benefit. They, they got to, uh, 3,000 people came to to Christ because they saw that sign. They were part of the miracle. So we understand the benefit of that. But then here he's, he says, now there's a kind of tongue where you're not speaking to men. It's not where someone stands up and gives a tongue's message and someone else on the other side of the room interprets it. He's not, he's not using this this way. So there's, there's at least three different kinds of tongues. Here's this one here, he says, it's not to men. It's directly to God. It's spirit to spirit. And your spirit, by the Holy Spirit, is speaking directly to the heart of God. He that speaks in a... In a in the King James uh, translators, they saw a distinction between other tongues and known tongues, and they put in here unknown tongues. And they put it in italics, in italics so that everyone would know they added it. But it was significant. Every time he used it as a prayer language, the translators put in unknowns. It's not, it's not other tongues. It's unknown tongues. So he that speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So uh, in this room, you see the physical. This this is the physical, but in this room, if your eyes were open, there's a spiritual realm with angels listening, angels looking. There's traffic happening in this room. Sometimes demons will show up. Sometimes demons will pass through. Uh, there's spiritual activity 
but we can't see it with our physical eyes, but it's real, it's, it's happening. And there's no distance in the spirit realm. If someone's in China struggling, you can pray in Penyan, and your prayer will affect that person in China because there's no distance in the spirit realm. He says here that speaking in tongues affects the spirit realm, affects angels. Uh, Paul, he wrote to the Corinthians in, in chapter uh, 13, verse 1. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. So there's a heavenly language. Somehow there's a, a language that angels understand. Maybe they're activated. Something happens. You're speaking in tongues here. You don't understand it. It's a mystery to you. Those who are listening to you, it's a mystery to them. Angels get it. Angels understand it. God understands it. All of a sudden, you're praying in tongues, and heaven gets busy. Get, they become activated, doing the will of God. You begin praying the will of God into existence. Habia, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, these mysteries are not mysteries to God. They're, they're uh, let me say it this way. One word in tongues could be the equivalent of an entire encyclopedia in English, for all we know. We don't know what one, one little uh, burst of tongues will actually produce, but it's not in vain. It goes into the spirit realm, and something happens. That in itself should provoke us to say, I'm going after this, I'm going to speak in tongues more than you all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go deep in this because somehow it affects God. It affects the spirit realm. The spirit realm affects this realm. I couldn't prove it. I, I started doing it, but I couldn't prove it. But it seemed like something changed in my spiritual life when I started intentionally adding tongues to my discipline. And so I, I would pray at stop signs. I would... First thing out of my mouth when I got up in the morning, I'd have a burst of tongues, I'd speak in tongues, then I'd go to English, I'd sing in tongues, and I'd sing in English. You could be frying an egg and speaking in tongues. And somehow it's affecting the spirit realm. I'd pray at stoplights, I would, I would go for walks. I had this uh, routine where I'd walk around on this park, and I would say, okay, I'm leaving, and I'm not going to stop speaking in tongues until I get back home. And I got tired my, my mind was unfruitful. My mind wasn't understanding, and my mind would wander somehow, but my spirit, I'd be, it's an amazing thing to experience that your, your mind is one gear, and your spirit is another gear altogether, and you could be praying with your spirit, and your mind not be involved in it. I don't know how to explain it, except it's true. And so I would walk, and sometimes I would be surprised at what come to my mind, and that would cause me to stop and start praying in English along a certain line because I'd get ideas. I'd, stuff would be sparking. Next thing you know, I'm getting inspiration. Or Roberts, what he did when he was uh, uh, building a, a, a university, he would walk and speak in tongues, and then he'd wait and, and trust God to interpret his own tongues. Now, it says that. There's a, uh, look at verse 13, chapter 14, verse 13. He says, therefore, let him who, speak, who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. 
I think you can interpret your own tongues in prayer as part of a discipline. We can say, Lord, help me to understand what I'm praying. And he might give you something. This is different than in a public setting where the person who interprets isn't you. It should be somebody else. Uh, Paul, he says here, he says, look around and see if there's anyone to interpret. If there's no one to interpret, release that tongues to yourself and to God. I know uh, in our church back in the Canada, in the AG church, they said if you speak in tongues in public, you better be ready to interpret your own tongues so there's no embarrassment, so there's no reproach, no one's, no one's critical of what, you know, step up and if no one's there to interpret, interpret your own tongues. I, I, I always thought that was fudging it. I always thought that was kind of missing it. Where it should come out is that it should be someone totally unrelated to you bringing the translation. So that's a different context. That's a different expression. Verse 13, I think, is personal. I think it's part of your personal devotion. Oral Roberts, he said, I built ORU by speaking in tongues and translating it in himself, interpreting it in himself. He'd say he would walk through a park, praying in tongues at length, and then trust the Lord for the interpret. He would actually pray and say, Lord, give me the interpretation of it. That's how we know it's not a gift. And you pray, and he says, then all of a sudden I would be interpreting what the Spirit was saying. And I said, now that's okay. Now I know what to do next. Now I know where to go. Now I know where to buy the best supplies. Now I know what, what to do with this problem. And he would pray him, himself through. He'd pray himself through all kinds of problems with Personal tongues and personal interpretation. That's a purpose. That's, that's, a, that's a benefit. This whole thing of speaking mysteries, we don't know what all is involved with that. But I've read stories. I, 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 I collect them. Stories of, of people who are interceding here in tongues and it's affecting somebody on the mission field or affecting something in their home or one of their kids. And I collect these stories where they, can, they find out that they were interceding in tongues and God was working on the other side of it, changing and transforming things. Powerful, powerful stories. Um, and so uh, I think there's benefits to it. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go back. Let's go back to Romans chapter 8. And let's go to verse 26. Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray, pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows the mind, uh, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now let's play this backwards. It's possible to pray the will of God, have the Holy Spirit pray, inter, being the one interceding through you because he knows the heart, he knows the mind of the Spirit, the mind of God, 
And, and so you start groaning with groanings that don't make sense. And it's actually the spirit inside of you interceding, praying, because you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to pray for because of our, our weaknesses. Now, that's reading it backwards. That's a tremendous benefit. Now, he's not talking about speaking in tongues here. He's talking about groaning. <laughs> but what I've learned in all these years, what I've learned is what we just read is just as true about speaking in tongues as it is groaning. It's not, it's not groan. It's not speaking in tongues. Some people have tried to monkey with that. It's actually groaning. Have, has anyone ever groaned in the spirit before? You know what I'm talking about? If you get deep, deep in prayer, there's a place in prayer that very few people get to where you're groaning. Uh, I, I had uh, this Italian guy named Vince. He was in my early days of, of finding Jesus and going to the very first meeting where the Spirit was moving. It was Vince who fell by the Spirit. Well, Vince was in our house. Heather wasn't a Christian. And Vince was in our kitchen, and he was Italian, and he just loved to cook, and the, that was his love language. And so if he wanted to bless you, he'd cook, and he had all this calamari and all this stuff, stuff that Heather didn't particularly like. And so he's cooking squid. He's, he's cooking pasta. So the kitchen is just taken over by Vince. And while we're, we're there, you know, Heather would be in the other room and say, he'd say, uh, isn't God good? Yes, God's, you know, God's really good. And we were witnessing to Heather, we thought, uh, trying, to, trying to get her to hear the gospel. Jesus saves. Yes, Jesus saves. He's wonderful. And, and, and the smell of the food. And she was gracious enough to try it, but it wasn't her cup of tea. But, but that was Vince and I. That was our best effort to try to win Heather to Christ. And it didn't work. And... Uh, but then in that kitchen, a day or two later, I was hit with groaning. And, and it was, ugh, ugh, ugh. And I could have stopped it. I had control. I didn't want to stop it. I wanted to see where it was going to go. I wanted to see what would happen. And I was doubling over with, with a contraction in my chest, in my, in my stomach, just, just a contraction that would just uh, take the, the wind right out of me, double me. Oh, oh. I'm glad Heather didn't hear this. Ah, and it sounded like a cow giving birth. I've heard that same sound in dairy farms since then. Sounded awful. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was happening. After I got through it, and I, I, I stayed with it, and I, I felt like something had been born. Something had come out. Something was accomplished. And this great joy, a wonderful sense of, 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 of gratitude and, and gratification came after that. And I was lost in gratitude. Then I came to this verse where it says that the Spirit will actually groan through you, bringing about, birthing the will of God by the Spirit. That it's Him making intercession for the saints through us. And I experienced that. And Heather came to know the Lord just like that week. Just, it, it just broke everything. No, no amount of cal calamari could do it. No amount of pasta could do it. But the spirit groaning and, and praying through me for 30 minutes changed, changed her life. And I knew it was connected 
to what I was doing in the kitchen. I knew as sure as I was alive that happened in the kitchen and showed up next Sunday night. I believe with all my heart what Paul's writing here about groaning is the same mechanism, the same mechanics, different experience, but the same mechanics as speaking in tongues. In the integrity of my heart, I can take this section of Scripture, respectfully take out the word groaning, put in praying in tongues, and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me at length, and, and he will actually bring about the will of God in his mind, in his intercession for me, and change circumstances. Circumstances that might not otherwise ever change, but it can be birthed by the Holy Spirit. I believe this passage of Scripture can be used just speaking in tongues. That's a benefit. That's a huge benefit. Um, I wish for you... I. In fact, why don't we make a deal tonight? Why don't we just make a deal here right now that this coming week we'll go deeper in tongues than we normally do. We'll set our watch, be intentional about 15 minutes, 10 minutes, however, or stoplights or every lunch break or however we're going to do it, believing that in the Spirit something will change. Believe it in the, that in the Spirit He'll start interceding for us, parents and people and Partners and friends and different people who would otherwise not come into the things of God will come in. Let's believe for that. Amen? Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14. Now look at verse 4. He's making a difference between prophecy and, and uh, uh, tongues. Verse 3 actually says, He who prophesies edif uh, speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. We need lots of that. Uh, and that's to men. So what happens is in the world, in our, in our work world, in our, our crazy COVID culture and a cancel culture and all the stuff that's happening out there, it's a, it's a drain on our spiritual life. It's a drain on our souls. Then you come to church and the Spirit begins to speak and he brings edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's almost like it's, like it's like there's background music in the spirit realm that's dark, that's negative, that's cynical, that's critical, that's, that's awful. But then you come to church and the spirit lifts you above that in just a matter of a minute or two by speaking things from a heavenly perspective. I think we need that. I think, we're, I, in fact, I believe we're going to find that it's going to be more valuable than we could ever have imagined in the days ahead where we'll feel like we're, we're being blown around and beat up and then we'll come to church and someone will speak a word and it will absolutely change everything because of, it'll, be a, it'll contain a heavenly perspective. We'd cast out a demon out of a guy and it had taken about three hours and it was a horrible... Uh, encounter. It was so, so real. And, and uh, those of us who were involved with that, uh, we met the next night to talk about it because it was a mind bender. None of us had seen anything like this before. And we, we gathered together and uh, we were a little rattled. And in our theology at the time, we, we thought that the devil could retaliate. He could hurt one of our kids or burn your house for, you know, what we did to him, and now he'll retaliate. And our pastor uh, stopped by, and he'd heard of what happened to us. He wasn't there, but he had heard about it. And so he stopped by, and we're all a little rattled. 
and uh, we were gathered in someone's living room and, and uh, a little shaken by what had happened. We won. We, we saw this man. He, got, he totally set free and, uh, from many demons. And, uh, but we're a little rattled. And he said, can I pray for you? And so we all gathered together, and the Spirit began to speak through him. And he says, you're here cowering tonight, but if you could only see that the enemy is cowering tonight about you, hoping you never find out that the power, the power that you have. And it was a whole different viewpoint. I mean, <laughs> we were thinking he had power to come and retaliate. And, and, the, and the, what the Spirit said is, no, he's cowering in hell tonight, afraid that you might find out that you can just keep doing this and tearing down his kingdom. It was a whole different perspective. We need a heavenly perspective. We need a spirit-filled perspective. We need a spirit perspective. Amen? I, I said verse three, we re, or verse four, we read verse three. Uh, that's worth prophesying for. Verse four, he who speaks in an unknown tongue, according to King James, so it's speaking, it's, it's a prayer language, edifies himself. And he who prophesies edifies the church. Um, the word edifying here has to do with being built up. It's it's a uh, where we get the word edifice, edifice uh, building, to actually do construction, you can actually build your spiritual life by the Spirit, by speaking in tongues. He that, he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. One translation says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue improves himself. How many, needs a little, how many need a little improvement, a little spiritual improvement? I didn't know what edification meant. I wasn't sure what that meant. I just wanted it. <laughs> and in my childhood, my, my uh, naivety at the time, I pictured it as charging up a battery, you know, where your battery kind of gets used and, and now you need to get it charged up. And I thought that would be worth it. So I, I wanted to be edified. I wanted to be built up. And so I would pray in tongues because the scripture says, this is a benefit, he that prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself, and I needed that. I needed to be edified. <clears throat> Verse 14. He says, for if I pray, now he's very specifically about prayer language, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. And my understanding is unfruitful. And then he says, what's the conclusion? The conclusion is I'll pray in English and I'll pray with my spirit. I'll pray with my understanding. I'll pray with my spirit. Verse 15. But let's go back to verse 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Well, if I'm limited to what my head could pray, if I could pray to the outer limit of what I can think, it would never be enough. I'm limited by my, my faith. I'm limited by my imagination. I'm, I'm limited by my prejudice. I have all kinds of prejudice in my heart. Prejudice about not just, not skin color kinds of prejudice. Prejudice about, well, that happened before, so that's what's going to happen again. That's a kind of prejudice. Or, boy, I don't want this to happen, so I, I'm not going to go down that road. That's a prejudice. I have all kinds of limitations that come from my own prejudice. 
my heart has been prejudiced against the will of God. I can tell you story after story where I'd make up in my mind, say, I don't want, I don't want to live on Cuca Lake. I want to live on Seneca Lake. And I don't want to live on, the, on the, this branch. I want to live, if I have to, I want to live on this branch. And just ideas that become so strong. And then as you pray in tongues, they find out later that's where you're supposed to live. I, I remember, I remember uh, looking for a house and I had two prejudices. Two, I didn't know they were prejudices at the time. I had two ideas. I said, I don't want to live in this particular town. I named the town. It's called Trenton. I don't want to live in Trenton. And I don't want to live in a duplex. And then I searched for a house for three months, came up with nothing. Going out with a realtor every night, trying to find a house. Couldn't find a house. Finally, I humbled myself, got before the Lord. I said, Lord, there's something wrong. We should have had a house by now. What's the issue? Speak to me. He said, look for a duplex in Trenton. That day I drove to Trenton. That day I found a house. That day I found a house we could afford. That day we moved into what I now look back on as the will of God. We have all kinds of prejudice, all kinds of ideas. He says here that he that prays in an unknown tongue doesn't pray according to his prejudice, doesn't pray according to the limits of his faith or the limits of his understanding. He prays his spirit is praying. Well, that's, that opens things wide open. Your, your, your spirit has the audacity to pray things from God that your head would never pray. You shouldn't be limited, and we shouldn't be limited by our heads. Look at verse 17. Now, what the context of this is the Corinthians were praying in tongues and speaking in tongues all the time and to the point where they would have uh, a meal and a person would get up and they would give, uh, they'd be asked to give thanks and they'd get up and they'd do it in tongues. Well, no one could say amen to it. No one, no one knew what they were praying. And so Paul had to correct them. Uh, a guy named Chloe, or a gal named Chloe, wrote Paul and said, here's what's happening in my church. It's gotten crazy. And so Paul's actually correcting real issues. And so he says here in verse, seven, uh, verse 16, he talks all about that. Verse 17, he, he wants them to know. He says, uh, for indeed, uh, you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So it's a funny thing. He's saying, I don't want you to give, I don't want you to say grace in tongues because that's not edifying for the person who's listening. But you really are giving thanks well when you speak in tongues. When you're praying in tongues, you really are giving thanks well. There's nothing wrong with that, but the other person's not edified. That's the reason you shouldn't do it in a public setting. But he's not saying it's totally in vain. He says there is this whole thanksgiving thing that happens when you speak in tongues. Now, let me say this. The most powerful prayer you can ever pray is thanksgiving. I, I, there's been times where I've been sinking in a sea of darkness, and I'll start giving thanks to God, and it's like strapping on a life jacket. There's times when it seems like the enemy's all over me, and I'll start giving thanks to God, and he'll, he'll take off. Saul, he's going crazy. Demons are tormenting him. David comes in and starts, with his harp, starts giving thanksgiving to God and praise, and the demons leave. 
There's lots of evidence that Thanksgiving changes your circumstance, changes the environment. He's not saying it's wrong. He's just saying it's not used in the most appropriate way in public. But in private, what if most of, what if, what if 75% or 80% of your tongues is giving thanks to God? Someone said, if I only had five minutes to pray, I would spend the first three minutes just giving thanks to God. It's a powerful thing. Even our singing, even in our worship, when we want the Lord to come and change the environment, the fast track is, is thanksgiving. I think it's possible to be speaking in tongues in your car, not realizing that most of it is, is going into the spirit realm as thanksgiving, changing you, changing your circumstance, bringing God closer causing demons to take off, putting their hands over their ears because they're hearing you giving thanks to God. What if the other percentage is you praying the will of God into being, you changing the environment, changing the spirit realm through your prayers? That would be a tremendous benefit. What I'm giving you is eight or nine benefits of why we should speak in tongues. Jehoshaphat, he went out facing the enemies with thanksgiving to God. Verse 22. Verse 22. He says, Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is, for, is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. There is a sign element to speaking in tongues. Um, uh, let me back, back this up. I know, con I, I see this, this is the number one sign I see. I see people who are struggling in their faith. We lay hands on them for the baptism of spirit. They start speaking in tongues and their confidence level in everything goes through the roof. It, it's a sign to them, oh, oh, this is, this is real. This is, this is different than what I was expecting. That's worth everything, just for the personal sign to that person. Uh, one of our gals here, uh, she was in the tent meeting, and she wasn't asking for this. She wasn't thinking about this. She wasn't seeking it. She wasn't looking at it, but she had been coming to the tremendous openness. And uh, Kim, one of the uh, guests uh, coming up from New Holland was there. And she said, she just put her hand on my forehead like that and she just burst into tongues. Well, it's really impacted her. I think, I think that's a powerful sign to her and to her husband and to everybody else. It's powerful. I think then beyond that, tongues is a sign in that uh, Jesus said, these signs shall follow those who believe they should in my name. He lists a bunch of things, but one of them is to speak in new tongues. I think it's an end time sign. It it impacted me. I, I I when I was a young guy, I was like I was seventeen, I think, and uh, I I met this businessman who knew another businessman who owned a, a whole section of our downtown. He owned a whole city block. I didn't know anyone who owned a whole city block. He had all kinds of businesses. He was a German guy. And um, so my friend knew him and they introduced him to us. And, and this guy, his name is Walter. And Walter 
just took a liking to me. I was 17, just starting out. had had quit school a couple years before that. And um, uh, I showed Walter some of my advertisements that I had made. And he said, you know, you could do something with this. He says, uh, let me give you some office space to help you get set up. And uh, you can work out of, this, uh, out of this office. And he was just being gracious just to help a young guy get started. And I, I grew a business. I, by the time my friends were graduating from high school, I had an office, a car, a secretary, a, a, my name on the sign, advertising. Uh, he gave me clients. He, he introduced me to all kinds of business people that gave me uh, significant inroads into our town. So, so Walter was uh, just this uh, uh, unusual person who was very wealthy and, and, and cared about this young guy starting up. But... But not too many people liked Walter because he was so blunt. He would he would tell you if if you weren't dressed properly, you didn't. He'd say that's ugly, and and so Walter, I understood Walter, I liked Walter, but I just noticed that he didn't have very many friends. He didn't have very many people who liked him, and he was so wealthy and so successful that he would just say anything, <laughs> and so. Uh, I ended up, I, I moved away, and uh, uh, we kept in touch for a bit, you know, and then life goes on, we lose track of each other and that kind of stuff, and, and uh, I meet the Lord, and I'm coming back into my hometown, back into Walter's area, and I'm back in, uh, back in the business thing again, and uh, I run into Walter, and Walter says, hey, it's so good to see you, what are you doing, and and uh, he's, do you need an office? Yeah, I mean, he owned all kinds of space. What do, you, what do you need? He says, come up and see what I've got. And he took me to this art studio, just an over-the-top amazing art studio, and says, it's yours. Just use it. Get your business going. I mean, he was just gracious. And, but he wanted to know where I, where I had been and what I had done. And the, one of the people that I really was dreading meeting again was Walter because he was really clear about not believing in God, really clear about that's for, that's for cripples, that's for people who need a crutch. He, Walter's successful, everything he touches, you know, uh, he makes money off of it. And I knew one day I'd have to sit down with Walter and explain Jesus to him. And so the moment came, he said, I want to know what's happening there's something about you that's different, something that's happened to you, tell me about it. And so I sat down and I told Walter my testimony with a little bit of fear and trembling. And I could see him mentally just brushing it off, brushing it off. He wasn't having it. He wasn't impressed. He wasn't interested. And I could see him just waving it off. And, you know, every, he could justify everything. He could explain everything. And he had all these questions about Genesis and so forth. And I wasn't getting anywhere. And, and at this point in time, I don't care anymore what Walter thinks. I don't really care if, he's, if he helps me in business anymore. I want him to come to know Jesus. Desperately wanted. And I knew, I remember thinking, who else is going to talk to Walter? Uh, he trusts me. There's this long-term relationship. He doesn't trust hardly any people. Who, who's ever going to get this close to this guy to tell him the truth? And so finally I abandoned myself and I said, Walter, listen, listen, listen for a minute here. And I began speaking in tongues. I just poured it out based on this verse because this verse says that tongues is a sign for unbelievers. And Walter's an unbeliever, and I'm, I, I can't seem to get through with logic. He's so smart. He's so German. He's so locked up 
And, and so I just burst out in tongues. Forgive me, every German play, person in the place. But you know what I'm talking about. So I said, Walter, listen to this. And I just gushed out with tongues. And I just burst it out. And, and, and I could just see him, you know, kind of backing up a little bit. And finally he said, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop, stop, stop. No, stop, stop. Okay, all right. And that was the end of the conversation. That was, that was the note it ended on. And I didn't know what was going to come out of that. But a couple weeks later, I ran into Walter. And he says, I just want you to know that I found a church. And I've decided to get back into trying to get right with God. And so Walter began going to a church right after that. And I thought, oh, nothing else would have gotten through but just that little dab of do you just... <laughs> spitting some tongues all over him somehow broke, broke something up but I'm convinced that it, it helped Walter to see Penn wouldn't have done that you know that this is real this is something he's not making this up it was a credible thing even though it was a, a dare it was a risk um, it's something I felt I had to do Paul one more thing in here Paul actually talks about when he's talking about speaking in tongues, if you look at verse 21, he actually quotes scripture and takes them back into the Old Testament, back into Isaiah, and he takes them back into a place where there's a reference about speaking in tongues, way back in, way back in the day of Isaiah, Isaiah 28. And uh, he talks about people with stammering uh, lips and other tongues and and uh, God will use them to speak to his people, and they will not hear him, so forth. But in verse 12, so Isaiah 28, 12, Paul says, or Isaiah said, that tongues shall be a rest and a refreshing. That speaking in tongues will be a rest and a refreshing. I remember reading that thinking, oh, oh. What if I prayed in tongues believing that it's my spirit connecting with God's heart? His, God is the spirit, so it's, it's spirit to spirit. What if I did that? What if I did that to a place where it, it refreshed and rejuvenated my spirit so that my, my spiritual vacation was not from the outside in, but from the inside out. It wasn't resting my body and then resting my mind and then maybe my spirit could get a little rest. What if I prayed in tongues at length and it actually rested and refreshed my spirit and then my soul and then my body? Just the opposite. So I began the experiment with this. I'd be out, you know, having traveled or having done something, exerted myself in some way. I'd come home and lay down on my carpet and just begin praying in tongues. And I can't tell you the number of times that I would stand up feeling totally refreshed, ready to go, charged up, renewed. It's kind of, I thought, this is like a poor man's vacation. I could just pray in tongues and get centered again, get my heart back connected with God and all the strain that's on my soul and have that restored. So I've just given you, well, I didn't keep track, but I think about 10 benefits right now. 
I've never heard this sermon before from anybody else, so I'm telling you that you could take this. You can, I've proven this. I've tested this. You can take 10 biblical benefits. Where's the benefit? There has to be a benefit. God does nothing for nothing. So let's go after this, and let's see what happens. Let's see where it takes us. Tie a rope around your leg so you can explore and you can get out there and find your way back. You got a rope that tethered to help you to get back out. I remember thinking that. I, I'm just going to go as far as I can with this thing. I'm going to see where it takes me. And I had no one who wanted to go with me. I couldn't find anybody who wanted to explore and find out how far you could go in tongues and see where it would take you. Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. There had to be a benefit. Let's stand together. How many are tired right now? Honestly, you're feeling tired. Can we experiment a little bit? Why don't you you make up your mind on on this side of it? Say, I'm going to pray in tongues all the way home. Out loud. Out loud. And see how well I sleep tonight and see what happens when I get home. See if I'm buzzed. See if I have energy. How many are willing to experiment with this? Those who just put up your hand. Yeah, let's do that. Me too. Let's see what, let's see, let's prove God's word. Let's put it to work. Amen. Father, we love your word. We love your ways. We love what you've hidden for us, these mysteries, these treasures. Lord, we love digging them out of your word. We love finding them, discovering them, improving them, testing them, seeing how true it is. We love you. We love your ways. We love your word. Lord, take us. Take us deeper than we've ever been. Take us further than we've ever been. Use tonight, use this message, use your word, this reminder for me and for us, for me tomorrow, my day off, Lord, that I'd go deeper in this thing than I've been. Refresh me, O God. Restore us. Charge us up again. Help us to go deeper. In the name of Jesus.